Today's Bible reading is John chapter 11, verses 1 to 44. You can find it in your leaflet. Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary, and her sister Martha. This is Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, The sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory, so that God's Son may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. And then he said to his disciples, Let us go back to Judea. But Rabbi, they said, A short while ago the Jews there tried to stone you, and yet you were going back? Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in the daylight will not stumble, for they see by this world's light. It is when a person walks at night that they stumble, for they have no light. After he had said this, he went on to tell them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I am going there to wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get better. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So then, they t- so then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake I am glad I was not there, so that you may believe, but let us go to him. Then Thomas, also known as Didymus, said to the rest of the disciples, Let us go, that we may die with him. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming... She said to, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been there, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life, the one who believes in me will live even though they die and whoever lives by believing in me will never die do you believe this yes lord she replied i believe that you are the messiah the son of god who is to come into the world after she said this she went back and called her sister mary aside the teacher is here she said and is asking for you when mary heard this she got up quickly and went to him now jesus had not yet entered the village and was still at the place where martha had met him When the Jews who had been with Mary in the house, comforting her, noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, See how he loved him. But some of them said, Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind men have kept this man from dying? Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor, for he has been there four days. Then Jesus said, 
Did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me. But I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he said this, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, Take off the grave clothes and let him go. Thanks for reading, Ethan. Okay, who knows Monty Python's parrot sketch? Hands up. Somebody might be too young. It's very famous. Got a slide. Picture of it, Graham. Thank you. So in this Monty Python sketch, uh, a customer is trying to get across to the pet shop owner that he's only half an hour ago bought a parrot from, that this parrot is dead. So I won't do the full impersonation, but I'll tell you some of what he says. He's describing the parrot. The customer says, he's passed on. This parrot is no more. He has ceased to be. He's expired and gone to meet his maker. He's a stiff, bereft of life. He rests in peace. If you hadn't nailed him to the perch, he'd be pushing up the daisies. His metabolic processes are now history. He's off the twig. He's kicked the bucket. He's shuffled off this mortal coil, run down the curtain, and joined the choir invisible. He's snuffed it. This is an ex-parrot. So in that, there's... 15 euphemisms, 15 rounder houses kind of ways of saying dead. And the fact that the English language has got so many just reflects that we don't like to talk about death and dying. It's not just an English thing. My favorite Australian one is car kit. We've got so many different ways of not talking about death. When we're talking about death, it's one of our last taboos. And one of the few certainties in life, it's one of the few certainties in life, and yet we bury it away deep whilst we get on with living. And yet it's always there. And what we think about what happens after we die profoundly affects how we live now. So, what do you think happens after we die? The three main categories of belief around the world are sort of nothingness, this is all there is, you know, you're, you're made of stardust and you return back to being dust. Um, that's one idea. Another idea is uh, reincarnation. Um, you get to live over and over and try and work your way up. Uh, trouble is, people who believe that often say, you know, you only live once. <laughs> or that death is a gateway to something else. That's the kind of third option. That's where... We are. So today we're looking at another conversation with Jesus. And this time it's conversations that take place around a death. Another death is just some random person in a crowd. Jesus is confronted with the death of someone he knew personally, a dear friend, Lazarus, the brother of his dear friends, Mary and Martha. And in the course of the conversations, we'll... See, Jesus wants to give us the right things to believe about life after death. That's his priority. And he goes to extraordinary lengths to secure that belief. 
So there's an outline in your leaflets, and I've gone with headings around the, the kind of things that we write on sympathy cards when somebody dies. When somebody falls off the perch, as it were. So first of all, Mary and Martha are in deepest sorrow. So in verse 3, they've got word to Jesus. The one you love is sick. Um, is in Bethany, at least a day's journey away. Well, then there seems to be a sort of typo in the gospel, doesn't there? Because verse 5, Jesus loved this family. Yet verse 6, because of this, he decides to stay where he is for two days. When he does eventually get there, Lazarus has already been in those two, three days. So Mary and Martha, whilst expressing faith in Jesus, are clearly disappointed. So verse 21, Martha said to Jesus, if you'd have been here, my brother would not have died. Verse 32, Mary joins in. Mary fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And some of the people with Mary asked, verse 37, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Great faith and great disappointment. And I know lots of us are going through uh, illness and difficult times. Do you ever wonder, like Mary and Martha, what's Jesus playing at? If he just turned up and intervened, things could be better. Well, in this case, Jesus delayed... And he allowed this family to to be bereaved, to suffer, because he loved them. He has a grand purpose in allowing their suffering and Lazarus' death. Verse 4, Jesus says, This sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory, so that God's Son may be glorified through it. And verse 15, he says to his disciples, For your sake, I am glad I was not there, so that you may believe. Jesus wants Lazarus' death to show God's glory, and so that God will be glorified by people believing in his son, Jesus. Because Jesus loves Mary and Martha, he wants them to believe in him. That's his number one agenda. Because belief, real trust in him, is how they, how Lazarus, how any of us receive true life, eternal life in that right relationship with God. So his top priority is then believing in him, the life after death. This is so much their need that he's prepared to let their brother die to give them that belief. We saw before Christmas in Jesus' conversation with Nicodemus how important belief is, uh, that whoever believes in Jesus will have eternal life. We saw with the woman at the well and her fellow Samaritans that they believed because of Jesus' words. And the man healed of blindness, he came to believe Jesus was God's rescuer. But belief in him Relying on him by faith is still the number one topic of conversation for Jesus. I don't know if you remember a few years ago, there was a whole load of hoo-ha with Israel Falau, rugby player. 
Uh, Rugby Australia wanted to sack him because not for the first time he was sharing on social media paraphrases of verses condemning certain groups to God's judgment. Now, those warnings are there in the Bible, but are they a good place to start to bring about belief? Should we begin with those warnings of judgment? I think any presentation of the gospel needs to help us realize we face God's judgment. Jesus began with repent and believe. We need to know what to repent of. But presenting that part of the gospel has to be an all-inclusive thing. As in, if I'm saying that to somebody, they need to repent, I have to include me in that. It includes me, the sharer, and we should always share the good news on the assumption that on our own, we'd be much worse off than the person we're sharing with. Never in a looking down our nose kind of way, but in a you've no idea how much trouble I'd be in kind of way. If we start with moralizing, people will people hear through us the gospel message of grace, the gospel message of life given freely by grace, forgiveness being available? Will people hear that all of us need this grace, including us? In our sharing Jesus, sharing our lives, our goal is to gently, lovingly promote belief in Jesus. That was Jesus' priority, and it should be ours. Because he came to save us. He had for us, and he had for this family, deepest sympathy. Deepest sympathy, our next heading. So our plight, what I deserve, what everyone deserves, is to face death and after that, eternal separation from God because of our prideful rebellion against him, because of sin. But Jesus has so much sympathy for us in this state that we're brought on ourselves. He came to lay his life down for us, to give us life. So Jesus wants Mary, Martha, and everyone witnessing to see that he has the power to overcome death and give life. He's got the power to overcome death and give life. Verse 23. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection of the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? So Jesus is saying he's not something to do with a general resurrection at the end. He's saying that he is the source of life. He isn't pointing to the solution. He is the solution, the one who gives us life. And his promise is twofold. Verse 25, even though all of us will face physical death, and the, physical, and the death rate amongst Christians is still 100%, that's not the end. We will be physically resurrected, as Jesus was, in a new resurrection body to enjoy eternity in perfect joy with God, if we believe in Jesus. And verse 26, when we believe in Jesus, he gives us this new life in the here and now. 
as we're spiritually born again. And that new life is a light that will never go out. So if you believe in Jesus, the new life you have now doesn't have an expiry date. It's going to go on forever. And notice how personal this is. Jesus is saying, this is all about me. It's not an abstract theology or philosophy. It's about a man putting your trust in this man, Jesus. Because he and he alone can give you life to the full now that will go on after you die. Now, we are saved into community, Christ's body, the church. That's true and important. But Jesus says to each of us individually, he says to Martha, do you believe? Do you, you the individual, need to decide where you are up to with Jesus? Do you believe in him? If you do, if you trust in him, you're all set. Everything is going to be all right in the end and eternally significant in the here and now. But back to Mary Martha, there's still this problem of this grieving family. Jesus' close personal friends in deep grief. So Jesus is going to bring kind greetings. That's our next heading. Kind greetings to Lazarus. But Jesus had delayed his arrival so that everyone is sure Lazarus is well and truly dead. But his death, did you notice, still really deeply upsets Jesus. And I don't know if you've ever felt you should put a brave face on in the, in the face of death. If, when you're faced with bereavement and grief, it's worth noting Jesus doesn't put a brave face on. Brave face on. Verse 33, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Verse 35, Jesus wept. Verse 38, Jesus once more, deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Now, deeply moved, that's a mild translation. Jesus is enraged with grief. That kind of angry cry where your head is all hot. And it's the same word that's used of a horse flaring its nostrils in battle. Deep, angry grief. People tend to say, don't we? Oh, well, death's natural, isn't it? It comes to us all. And we kind of become oblivious to it. You know, I watched an old 80s Arnie, Arnold Schwarzenegger movie the other day, Commando. This guy, the Commando, his character, kills 81 people, and he's the hero. It's easy to forget. But it's not supposed to be like this. Death is an intrusion. True life, life to the full, untainted by sin, in right relationship with God, doesn't have death. So when Jesus is confronted with the pain and loss of death, he feels it more than anyone because he knows how it's supposed to be. He personally cares about death. And he uniquely, just him, can do something about it. Verse 38. Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. 
Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor, for he's been there four days. You know, we'll use the NIV translation. Every so often, it is worth this dusting off, ye olde authorized King James. Because in there, verse 39 says, Lord, by this time he stinketh. But again, it's real. It's personal. It's not glamorous or conceptual. It's a smelly, decomposing body in a graveyard. At least that's what I think it's going to be. Verse 43. Jesus called out in a loud voice. Lazarus, come out. Now, this conversation of Jesus is the most one-sided one, isn't it? You know, Lazarus is dead. But that's what God's grace is. A one-sided conversation. He gives us eternal life and forgiveness for free when we trust in Jesus, when we rely on him to save us. Verse 44. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. I mean, as illustrations go, it's the ultimate one, isn't it? Jesus demonstrates he uniquely has power over death, power to give life by literally giving life to a dead man. And Lazarus acts as a promise to us, the promise of life after death. And the difference for us is we don't have to wait until we are dead physically to receive it. God rebirths us with that new life when we believe in Jesus. To finish then, is this belief yours sincerely? Our last heading, yours sincerely. Well, this caused many there at the time to believe. Verse 45 Therefore, many of the Jews who had come to visit Mary and had seen what Jesus did, believed in him. So joining the dots with Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem, that sort of Palm Sunday thing, Jesus being welcomed to Jerusalem as his king, a lot of that crowd was because all those witnessing this miracle believed and went and told everyone else about it. And that's also what led the religious leaders seeking to kill Jesus as they feared upsetting Rome and losing their own power. So that was the reaction to the story at the time. But what's your reaction to hearing this? Are you left amazed at Jesus, the man who can give life after death? And if you doubt in this story, well, think about it. Would this account have survived if it were made up? with all those witnesses around to refute it. If it is true, it means we don't have to speculate about nothingness or pie in the sky or being reincarnated as a wombat or whatever, just because that's what's comforting. We can take real genuine comfort from the real man Jesus, the Son of God, who proved that he can give us Life after death. Life that can begin today. Now.
And as we go through the worst life has to offer in the here and now, and life is often very hard, well, we can hang on to this truth. Whatever we are up against, none of it will stop Jesus giving us eternal life. And whilst we sometimes can't for a moment understand why Jesus is delaying for two days or however long, we can just hang on to him, trust he's loving us in it and through it, and bringing us deeper into trust in him. So this isn't abstract, it isn't conceptual, it's personal, from Jesus to you. So we'll finish with his words. I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live, even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Let's pray. Emily Thoud, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for his genuine, heartfelt, gut-wrenching compassion for us, for his friend and for us, that he really loves us, he really feels for us, so much so that he came and gave himself up so that we can be raised to eternal life. Thank you that the promise of that is that that life is ours now and it's a life that will never Amen.